welcome back to another episode of the Media Dope Podcast, your weekly episode on movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us. Today is March 25th, 2023. This is episode 376, I believe. Yep. 376 trombones. Uh, yes, 376. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we have all of that and more. Plenty to talk about with television, video games, music, and movies. Not in that order. And uh, we always start it by starting with the music. Yep. We start the mu- uh, music section with the billboard. And we start the billboards with the Hot 100. And look who's back on top. Yes. Miley Cyrus with Flowers. Once again, your number one song. Yep. Looking to be the song of the summer? I mean, a little early to call. A little early. It's still in March. <laughs> We'll get there. All right. I'm sure the song of the summer is yet to come. At two, last night by Morgan Wallen. At least he's not number one this week. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll, we'll take, take that it. win. We'll take the knocking down a peg, a slot, a whole peg, a whole slot. Um, at three, Kill Bill by SZA. Mm-hmm. At four, Die for You by The Weeknd and Ariana Grande. Yep. And back in the top five, Creepin' by Metro Boomin. Yep. And The weekend and 21 Savage. So yeah, I spice uh, down a spot at number six this week out of the top five. All right. As for your album chart, your Billboard 200, at number one, yeah. One Thing at a Time at yeah. Morgan Wallen. Yeah. At number two, Ready to Be, colon, 12th mini album by Twice. 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 Christy and I watched a, a clip of Twice on the Kelly Clarkson show. They were getting interviewed. And apparently the fans of Twice are strangely named Once. Because they are Twice? Yes, they're Twice. Their fans are Once. So when they refer to their fans, they'll be like, just like how BTS calls them ARMY. Yes. It's like, oh yeah, we love to play our shows for Once. Like, that doesn't make any sense. No. No, it's a dumb... Come on, Twice. You can come up with a better fan name. Just saying. Does Blackpink have a name for their fans? Uh, the BPs? Blinks. Blinks, that's right. Blinks. That's right, they do. And they, I think they're called Blinks. You guys just smash Blackpink <laughs> yes. together to Blinks? Although that just confuses me from uh, Blink-182 fans. <laughs> Probably also call themselves that. And the uh, Xbox <laughs> game, Blinks, with the cat. Blinks the Time Sweeper, yes. yes. Good callback. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, at number three, Endless Summer Vacation by Miley Cyrus. Yep. Coming in at four, SOS by SZA. Yep. And rounding out your top five, Mañana Será Bonito by Carol G. So yeah, uh, just a little bit of a scramble uh, with Twice entering the top five here. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. Yay! Starting with The Record by Boy Genius. I will be listening to this. We also have The Love Still Held Me Near by City and Color. <laughs> Miracle Dash Level by Dear Hoof. Mm-hmm. Me by Jisoo. Speaking of Blackpink, this is a solo record from Jisoo of Blackpink. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also Crispy Crunchy Nothing Delicious. by Pax. Mm-hmm. That is P A C K S. Yes. Not to be confused with Pax. <laughs> Pax in video games. like next week, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Stowaway by Samian. Samian? Samian. 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 
The Price of Progress by The Hold Steady. And lastly, Continue as Guests <laughs> by The New Pornographers. Yeah, it's a good name. Continue as Guests. It's funny. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Let's get into some music news, and we start with a sabbatical. Well, sort of. So the American Music Awards are likely to take a one-year sabbatical following news announcing that Billboard Music Awards would move its date to November 19th of this year. Typically a Sunday uh, held for the AMAs. Mm -hmm. It would seem to leave parent company Dick Clark Productions no choice but to bump the AMAs to next year, 2024. Uh, when it can take the May slot previously held by the billboards. Hmm. So multiple sources say that neither has secured a broadcast partner and producer Dick Clark Productions, which is owned by Penske Media Corp, um, who is the owner of like where this new story comes from. Yeah, they had to. They legally have to, <laughs> they tell, legally have you to tell you that they own Variety and also Billboard. Yes, but not us. Yes, no. Yes, no one owns us. No. Uh, Petsky Media Corp. had to make the decision of which show to throw its weight behind. Yeah. Since uh, Petsky Media Corp. owns the publication of Billboard, insiders suggest that the thinking was to promote its own brand. Chatter amongst music industry professionals is that the AMAs, which launched in 1973, <laughs> has become stale. And you know what? They're right. Yes. No one cares about the AMAs. I feel like the AMAs have always been an imitator ever since they debuted. It was literally Dick Clark's production company for ABC at the time being like, we don't have the Grammys. Let's make our own Grammys. <laughs> and so they literally invented the AMAs as a Grammys equivalent or like a competitor. Was it, weren't the AMAs created out of uh, American Bandstand? It was related because that was also a Dick Clark Productions production. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was supposed to be a way for... Uh, the ABC to basically have their own big night of music awards. And so, yeah, they're just not relevant anymore. No one talks about the AMAs when they're happening. They're just like another uh, bullet point on your awards section of your Wikipedia page at this point. They're the Golden Globes. Yeah, they are the Golden Globes of music. You're 100% right. Um, So this makes more sense because in recent years, I feel like there's been more heat behind the Billboard Awards and Mm -hmm. Billboard name definitely has more cachet now than the AMAs. I think that what they should do is just retire the AMAs as a brand and just rely on, and ABC should just be like, commit to having the Billboard Music Awards every year and then just make that their brand and just be like, no, this is what we are now. This is the other big award show for music. I think they have a better chance of doing that with the Billboard name than they ever had with the AMAs these days. Well, it's also because the Billboard name is a global name. They have the Latin Billboard Music Awards as well. And the Billboard charts still matter, is the thing. is People still care if you're number one on the Billboard charts. So that name holds weight in a way that the AMAs hasn't in decades. Um, who votes in the AMAs? I'm actually it, not sure. I want to say it's a, uh, a People's Choice Awards equivalent. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure, though. I, 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 and I don't know if that's the Billboard. Billboard, I think, is um, a combination. I think some are fan-voted, but I believe that some are industry-voted. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure. Because the thing about Billboard is that they're, they still have a very important, if you're in the industry, periodical that so yes. like, and a mem- like you have a, you are a member of that by subscribing, and so it's kind of like like variety in a way, <laughs> and so yeah, it's like where you, like 
it makes sense. They would already have a built-in like voter base there, and it does make it sound like it's more legit than the AMAs. So yeah, I don't know. I think this is a good move. Well, the AMAs, I feel like, are more like the CMAs. Yeah. Does anybody care about the CMAs? No, I think CMAs still matter. I think that it's country's biggest night. Was that country's biggest night? That's country's biggest night. I'm only thinking of the other one, then. You're thinking of the ACMs. That's what I'm thinking of, <laughs> the ACMs. Yeah, the CMAs, I think, are the ones that still people still care about, because the ACMs are the ones that also happen. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, well, yeah, and then there's the CMT Awards, which yes. also also happen. Yes, but no one cares about the CMTs. No, that's not country's biggest night. <laughs> no. So we'll keep an eye out um, as it comes closer to November. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have to reserve this time slot right. uh, way ahead of time. Also, it's very funny. Going. It's very funny that they're like, oh, we haven't made a broadcast partner. It's going to be ABC. <laughs> Actually, well, I don't think the Billboard Music Awards have aired there before. I want to say Billboard usually shows up on Fox, or it has in the past. Yes. Um, I was trying to get yes. differentiate CBS. that from the iHeart no, Radio yeah. Awards, which are CW yes. usually. Because ZW also does the iHeart um, Music Festival. Festival. Right. Yeah. But anyway, we're getting into the weeds. But yeah, just we'll, we'll keep an eye on this. Yes. Um, I guess this was part TV news. Yeah, it is. Part yeah. TV news. Yeah. Or, yeah. Either way. Anyways. Slow week. Slow week. So let's go into our time machine and go back in time to February of last year for our second story. And if you remember, back in February of last year, and more like... The last two years, yeah. Joe Rogan on Spotify um, was whirled around with a lot of controversy mm-hmm. due to his racially charged language and COVID-related misinformation yes. on multiple editions of his Spotify podcast. Well, the streaming giant's uh, CEO attempted to defuse the situation by apologizing to his aggravated staff and, at the time, had pledged $100 million, quote, for the licensing, development, and marketing of music, artists and songwriters, and audio content from historically marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. So that happened last February. Yes. Here we are, 14 months later, and of that $100 million creator equity fund, (laughs) less than 10% of it has been spent funding that work. The initiative was behind schedule in hiring an eight-person staff to oversee the project and has suffered from shifting priorities. A report goes on to say that the unnamed people familiar with the efforts um, from the beginning of this year stated that the fund had not been completed of its 2023 budget and had not determined its priority projects. According to a memo, uh, uh, the publication said it had obtained and another fund intended to promote diversity in podcasts suffered after that business was hit by layoffs last year. So of that $100 million, less than $10 million has actually (laughs) gone to artists and songwriters and content. It's like, come on, like, that's a lot of money that's just sitting there that you can use to do these promotions and create this content. And you guys can't even figure out the eight-person panel to make these decisions? Like, oh, 
priorities keep shifting. The priority is literally written into the statement that your CEO made when this $100 million was allocated. Like, you know what the priority is. Just get it done. It's obnoxious. It's like Spotify just seems like a total mess. For me, this reads more of a time frame issue where the CEO pledges $100 million, but doesn't give a time frame of no. how long no. that $100 million is going to last. Like, it's $100 million over 10 years or over 20 years. But clearly more should have been spent at this point. Like, a whole year, and they can't even figure out a way, place to focus. Well, the reason I'm bringing this like, <laughs> up is because I see this a lot um, during college football, where you see... Allstate has supported over a hundred million right. dollars in scholarships, but in the fine print, it's yeah, over. since two thousand two. <laughs> over twenty. Over twenty years, years they've helped a hundred million dollars. Yeah. So that's like five million a year, <laughs> roughly. Which is not nothing, but yeah, it's definitely different than the total. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because think... the total number is a good number. Hundred yeah. million dollars. That's a good number. That's a good <laughs> promise of a number. But yeah. when you stretch it out over <laughs> ten over ten years, you're like, oh, so you're really not giving a whole lot each year, right? I mean, yeah, this this stuff is just frustrating because like the company seems to do this a lot. It's actually very telling that part of this story mentions the fact that their podcast service had a lot of layoffs over the last year, which is part of why mm -hmm. that effort hasn't gone anywhere. It just shows you that even when these people were talking about, like, oh, Spotify's getting into podcasting, they're going to put a bunch of resources into podcasts. Well, of course that ended up fizzling out because mm -hmm. people don't come to Spotify for that. And I think they're finally realizing that. So, of course, that's why everything's chaos over there because they say they do, they're going to do one thing and then it doesn't pan out and they have to figure out the next thing that they want to do. It's just, yeah, it's just a company that's never felt solid to me. It's a company that's always felt like, they're running around with no idea how to do things because they were the first and they have to establish precedent and they don't know how. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's well, also want to establish precedent and piss off a bunch of people too. Right, and that's all they do. Every time they announce something new, it's like, wait, what? Why? So, yeah, I guess we'll keep an eye on this, but like, yeah, for now, it's just embarrassing. Well, that's just the whole point of Spotify. It's just been embarrassing <laughs> um, for uh, since... COVID? Pre-COVID? Oh, before that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just ridiculous. Okay, so let's get into something even more ridiculous. Yeah, we recently listened to a couple of records. Actually, did you listen to either of these? I started listening to the Fallout Boy record. Okay, uh, well, let's start there then. Um, okay. How far did you get in? Uh, four or five songs. Okay, so you got in far enough to realize, probably, uh, probably what I realized four or five songs in to this thing, which was, hey, wait a minute. I thought this was supposed to be a return to form. I was very <laughs> confused uh, when it started off with the orchestra. Yeah. And then it got very bombastic. It's like, oh, is this Fallout Boy? So, yeah. so Or is this um, Panic at the Disco? So let's rewind the tape a little bit. So this album, uh, this new Fallout Boy album, uh, So Much for Stardust. Yes. Um, this is their first since their debut, back on Fueled by Ramen, uh, storied emo slash uh, pop punk label that is home to artists that we love, such as Paramore. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea was, and all the promotions seemed to suggest, that they wanted this to be a return to their earlier sound. Um, when Fall Out Boy was the most popular, like their 
more emo tinged pop punk era. Think like you know their their big hits like Dance Dance, uh, this ain't a scene, it's an arm race, mm-hmm. arms race, etc. Like that was supposed to harken back to this era of Fall Out Boy, right? So and sure, yeah, and surely enough, the single, which is the first song on the record, seemed to suggest that. I don't hate it. I think it's all right. It's uh, the guitars have been moved to the front of the mix. Like it seems like they're trying to write the kind of songs that they used to write. Then the album continues. And for me, that whole suggestion starts to dissolve. As the record goes on, it becomes more apparent to me. It's like, oh, all they really did was mess with the production a little bit more. The actual songs and construction here and the lyrics are more modern Fallout Boy. And it fails to make me think of that earlier material just because those things don't match. Those things feel weird juxtaposed next to each other. They're still writing pop songs. I hate to break it to people. Uh, at least they're not all weirdly based on existing songs, like that one record, uh, includes, like single Uma Thurman. <laughs> like They had an era there where they were just writing songs that were other songs, and I really was like, I don't get what they're doing. At least they're not doing that anymore. But um, I still just didn't get what they were going for. I feel like it was a little bit of a... I don't know, not a trick, but just that. But it, it felt a little bit to me like you said you were going to do one thing and you didn't do it. Like, some of it's okay. There's some moments, like you said, the orchestral uh, approach does evoke some of the stuff that they did with strings mm-hmm. on their early records. Um, and yes, the guitars sound better, if not great. I still think they need to be a little heavier in order to have the oomph that they want it to have. It still feels a little overproduced and a little too shiny. It feels a little too, like, um, pristine to sound like the kind of music that they used to make. And so it all comes across, the whole record comes across to me as, like, a, an attempt to recapture hearts and minds, but it's too much of the same. Too much of what they've been doing recently. So too much new and not enough what they were promoting with yeah. the return to form. I think if you're trying, to, if you want to, you know, promote your record as a return to form, you have to commit to it. You have to believe it. And I didn't believe that that's what they were actually doing here. Uh, throughout the record, I just was thinking, uh, this is just too much of that modern pop thing that they've been doing as opposed to a pop punk record. It's not that. I feel like the contrast here is that Avril Lavigne thing she put out. Avril Lavigne put out an actual pop punk record last year. I think it surprised people, including me, because that's not even something she used to do in her peak, uh, peak of celebra- celebrity. Those were pop records disguised as pop punk records. This was an actual pop punk record, and I feel like it confused a lot of people. It was like, wait, what? She can do that? This is not that. This is the opposite of that. This is a band saying, no, we're going to go back to this, and they didn't. They didn't commit. Uh, I didn't... Like, after that first song, you're right, it did yeah. lose me. It's why I didn't finish the album. <laughs> yeah, don't blame you. Um, it's, it did grab me. One thing that I will note about it, though, is that the lyrics, some of the lyrics on some of the songs do come, do seem to be coming from a genuine place. It does seem that, like, singer Patrick Stump is actually talking about some actual lived experience and how he feels about being a, um, like, a modern music celebrity. And... Some of that is interesting, but again, the production just betrays it. The production sounds too shiny and pop poppy for me to believe what he's saying is genuine. It all feels very manufactured, and that's unfortunate. 
it does it means that the whole idea doesn't really click but i don't know that's my opinion i would be really really interested to hear the opinion of somebody who loved fallout boy in the back in like back then um like it's to see if they would like one-to-one comparison what they think mm. judged by their nostalgia because i was not that person so i wasn't fully that person either and i think i'll ask christy <laughs> <laughs> she was that person okay uh, but yeah, so it's okay, but it's definitely not what I thought it was going to be. All right. Now, let's talk to me about <laughs> Long Beach. Yeah, I live there. What yes. do you want to know? What do you want to know? Uh, is Lana Del Rey there? And is, she true, <laughs> is it true that there is a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? <laughs> so I've never seen her there, okay. to answer question one. And answer question two. Yes, there is. Uh, so I actually read up on this. There was a story that a local Long Beach site uh, put up in 2018 that described what it was. So basically, there was a tunnel that you could take from downtown to the beach. Mm. And it was literally under Ocean Boulevard. You would take it, like, it would walk down. It was just a pedestrian tunnel. And they had made it look all fancy, too. They had, like, tile on the, like, mosaic tile on the walls and ceiling. And it's been sealed for decades. And they, with the argument that, like, they just didn't need to do it anymore. Because it was constructed because there was a specific um, crosswalk that was always crowded. They're like 4,000 people a day would cross this mm-hmm. intersection. And m- people driving were like, this sucks. And so they ended up getting rid, of the, uh, getting rid of the tunnel once that stopped being an issue. Once there were fewer pedestrians in downtown Long Beach. Now there's more cars than pedestrians. Now there's more cars, exactly. And so that's what happened. And that's, you don't need the tunnel anymore. But it's still there. Just the opening's not there. So you can't get in. But it's still there. They, and I do believe that there are some walking-throughs um, that I think have occurred where some people have been able to go down there and take pictures. Okay. Anyway, this is all to say that that is the name of both the album and one of the songs on the new Lana Del Rey record. And um, I have mixed thoughts about this one. Uh, I've been up and down with Lana. Um, I really liked uh, her uh, 2019 record, uh, Norman Fucking Rockwell. We talked about it on this record, on mm-hmm. this, uh, this podcast that I did actually appreciate it. It was the first time I was like, okay, she sounds genuine here. She sounds like she's writing fr- like re- about like real issues that she's had. She's ri- the, the arrangement and the production uh, by Jack Antonoff was really good. Um, and there was also, she was playing around with sound sounds a lot. Like there was some genre variation on it that I appreciated. Since then, the last two records haven't done it for me. Um, she put out um, two since then, uh, Chemicals Over the Country Club and Blue Bannisters. And both kind of bored me. Uh, it was too much of the orchestral uh, ballad, Lana, and not enough of her personality. It just felt very bland, very white bread. Here, she seems to have listened to that uh, that, that um, commentary and is reacting to it. And this does serve in a lot of ways as a sequel record uh, to Norman fucking Rockwell. It's similar in structure. It's similar in expanse, like expansiveness. And it's similar in that it literally calls back to several of the songs from that record. And uh, the last song is kind of a, a hip-hop remix, in a way, of one of the songs from that record, Venice Bitch. Um, so she's very clearly trying to hearken back to that, that critical peak. And yes, it's because some of it does come, some of that does come across to me as a little like, come on, Lana. Yes, we get it. This was the one time people were talking positively about you, so you want to live there again. I understand. It also feels a little too soon to be nostalgic for three years ago, but whatever. Um, I get why she's doing it. But the rest of the record is actually more interesting than that. Um, it's a very personal record this time. 
from the jump, she has a song called The Grants, and that's key because her real last name is Grant. She, her name is Elizabeth Grant. Um, and so it's about her family. And that theme continues to the record. There's a lot of references to her family and specifically loss about like family members that she's that that she uh, that have died. Um, her own thoughts about her own death, uh, whether she's afraid of that. Her like uh, also about children, about having children, about her family members that have had kids. It's a very personal record with some very personal um, lyrics, and it does try some genre experimentation. The first half is very much those um, orchestral uh, ballads, and then the second half goes into the kind of hip-hop-inspired trap beat kind of stuff that she did early on in her career. Um, it's a good synthesis of those two things, and it kind of gradually uh, swaps into that zone as opposed to feeling like a back-and-forth um, kind of jarring thing that she could have done. And so that's kind of nice. Um, but at the same time, nothing really hit me with that ah moment like stuff on uh, Norman fucking Rockwell did. It doesn't quite get to those heights for me. Some of it is very impressive. One uh, highlight is the seven minute long A&W, uh, which is, I, I, I believe, I don't want to um, steal this because I think it's really uh, clever. So I will, uh, I will uh, uh, give credit to the, the who wrote this in the... Um, uh, review on Stereo Dumb. They mentioned that the song is kind of the, uh, like a microcosm of the entire record because whereas the record kind of drifts from ballad to like kind of trip hop, so does A.A.W. Like it's half and half. It turns into a different song um, in the in the back end of it. And it's interesting approach. And it's thematically structured to do that as well, lyrically, because the beginning is more like this, almost like a treatise about her life, kind of like how we were talking about on the Taylor Swift Mark Madness podcast yes. you can listen to right now uh, in part four this week about how You're On Your Own Kid is almost like a study of like all the different eras of Taylor's career. Lana kind of does this here, except more detached, where she talks about different women's experience that reflect her own in different like stages of her life like as sorry as a kid or like and as like a teenager and then as an adult and but it, but because it's lana it's all viewed through through the lens of kind of like oh everybody's always hated me because of these things like a and w big surprise is not the restaurant for the drink <laughs> there it stands for american whore and so it's kind of like that's how she thinks that she's pictured and how women are pictured. It's all in that kind of frame that she's like saying like, oh, well, it's never going to be, it's never going to get better because that's always how we're viewed. It's dark, it's cynical, and then it swaps, like I said, in that kind of in, in a, like a hip-hop kind of variation towards the end. Um, so yeah, that's the most probably interesting thing on the record. The rest of it doesn't quite reach there. And there's some unfortunate choices she makes with some interludes. Um, there's one where that's basically just a recording of a famous, uh, I believe, L.A.-based um, pastor who has been un uh, recently under fire for some um, homophobic statements that he's made. Um, spends a lot, a lot of weirdly a long time just listening to this, base, this pastor preach in a really weird, grainy recording. I'm not really sure what she's going for there. I've, heard, I've seen a couple of ticks on it. Some people think it's ironic that she's trying to like say like, oh, don't, I don't actually believe what this guy is like is saying here, because at the end there's basically he makes some sort of statement about like, oh, all well, this time preaching, I realized I was never preaching about God, I was preaching about myself, 
And I think so people are saying like, no, it's ironic. You're supposed to listen to that line. And that's basically Lana saying like, look at this guy. Uh, look, he's saying nonsense. But then there's other reads that seem to, like the Pitchfork review, for example, points out that she's attended his services before, <laughs> which makes me think, it's like, okay, Lana, what do you actually think about this guy? Is this genuine or is this ironic? Which has always been my problem with Lana, just as it lies the whole thing. It's like, she's so hard to read. I don't know what she actually believes. I don't know how much of this is actually accurate, which brings us back to some of the controversy over the last couple of album cycles. Her statements about what she thinks about femininity, about what she thinks of feminism, what she thinks about inclusion. Um, there was, of course, people talking about like that cover of Chemicals Over the Country Club, and be like, "Do you have any black friends?" <laughs> and like stuff like that, and and how she's been. All her statements have been very defensive, and she's not really apologized for any of it. Any of it, or things that she has done in the did in the COVID era, like showing up with like a mesh mask. To meet fans and then having fans be like, I don't want to get near her. She's literally not wearing anything that protects her. Mm -hmm. She's having a lot. And she, again, doubles down on all this shit here. She has a line on the, on, in one of the songs where she more or less says, like, wouldn't it be funny if we wore masks, like, as if we cared? And it's like, come on, Lana. Like, what are you doing? She is somebody who absolutely does not care about how she's viewed, which could be a positive. But... It makes her art confusing for me, and it makes her art harder to grasp and and appreciate because she makes she just puts so many barriers in front of me from getting to that point where I can absolutely just say like yeah I I like I love it like I can't get there because she puts so much in the way. She's the anti Taylor in a way where Taylor is so curated and so careful about everything she does. Lana doesn't give a shit. And it's interesting having these two juxtaposed right now. Um, so yeah, it's a complicated record. It's a personal record. It has some moments of real beauty. Um, but I just can't get to the point where I'm comfortable recommending it because of just how many landmines I feel like are around the Lana camp. Um, but it's close. It's definitely the closest she's gotten to that level since Norman fucking Rockwell. So it's definitely one of her best records. I'm just not sure how I feel about it. So two passes then? I yeah, I don't know if this what I would say is a pass. I think that your it's a mileage will vary for sure. Okay. The Fallout Boy, yeah, I'm gonna say it's largely a pass. Right. Yeah, I may or may not write something up on one of these. I don't know. Depends on if I trek back into the lot of record again. <laughs> if I feel like I want to, uh, maybe give it a second shot. But yeah, the one thing though is I am I definitely want to read other people's takes because I, I it's a fascinating text. I just don't know if it's something that I really feel comfortable with at this point. Complicated. 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 Alright. Uh so I didn't listen to anything <laughs> specifically sure. worth mentioning. So let's move on then. Let's into video games. Alright. We start with new releases. Yes. Um Big release, EA Sports PGA Tour for a Yay! PS5, Xbox Series X. You've been looking forward to this? I'll be getting it uh, the following week. Yep, this is your golf yep. tour. Uh, we also have Grim Grimoire once more <laughs> for the PS4, PS5, and Switch. Yep. Meet Your Maker for everything but the Switch. Okay. Road 96. Colon, 
mile zero for everything. Okay. That's your wide release. <laughs> there's but there's also Movie House Dash, the film studio tycoon for PC. I wanna say this is the um <laughs> Was it Roller Coaster Tycoon S? Yeah, I don't know. It seems an interesting concept, though. Yeah. Sounds like something you'd love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also Everspace 2 for the PC. And lastly, Curse of the Sea Rats for everything but the Switch. Yeah, kind of a weird week besides golf. It's like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. I don't know what it is either. But <laughs> we will be getting our hands on MLB The Show 23 yes. next week. Yes. So we'll have our thoughts on that next week. Indeed. But before we get to our thoughts, uh, let's get into some video game news, starting with Valve. Yeah. They have officially announced Counter-Strike 2. What? Ahead of the game's release this summer. What? The second Counter-Strike game? There's only been two. (laughs) Yeah, Go doesn't count. It never happened. Yes. Uh, (laughs) It will arrive as a free upgrade to Counter-Strike colon Global Offensive. Which is Go. Yes. <laughs> if you see CS Go, it's yeah, that's global offensive. Uh, not like Pokemon Go. <laughs> so this free upgrade will allow players to bring across their inventory from the current game. Quote, Counter-Strike 2 is the largest technical leap forward in Counter-Strike's history, ensuring new features and updates for years to come. All of the game's new features will be revealed when it officially launches this summer, but the road to Counter-Strike 2 begins today. This week. This week. As a limited test for select CSGO players, during this testing period, we'll be evaluating a subset of features to shake out any issues before the worldwide release, according to Valve. This is a big deal. Uh, People are diehards about Counter-Strike. They always have been, yes. ever since the first one came out. Go was a similar kind of like shake-up, where a lot of people were unsure about moving on, though it became established as the default uh, Counter-Strike fairly quickly. And this was a big surprise, I think, for a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people thought that they were going to do another uh, like a proper sequel ever. And here it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they're doing uh, with the levels, because a lot of people were most curious about that, is there's going to be three kind of variants about how they're approaching it. They're either remaking the levels completely, like changing lighting and textures. They're not touching some of them at all, so the absolute classics will not be rebuilt. And then they are going to reinterpret some classics. Um, so there'll be kind of like tiers that you can do, depending on your affinity for these old classic levels. Nowhere, I don't know where they're doing with dust. Everybody <laughs> loves dust if you play Counter-Strike. So I've only played Counter-Strike once. I played Counter-Strike before Go at a at an internet cafe gaming place once. And I was like, what? I don't know how to play this at all. <laughs> I was terrible at it. Have you ever played Counter-Strike? No. <laughs> uh, well, because I don't really play a lot of computer-based sure. games. Yeah. But yeah, people yeah, love people Counter-Strike. Are, yeah. Love Counter-Strike, so this will be really interesting. There's a lot of internet hype when it was announced because no one thought it was going to be announced. Yeah. We'll see if the fans will follow them down this road or be obstinate and want to stay on, on go. We'll see. Well, let's see. Is Valve like Blizzard? There's some parallels sometimes. Well, because like when they announced Overwatch 2. Right. Everybody was pissed. Yes. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether people will move on. All right. 
So let's move on. This was announced during the game developer uh, conference, which is happening, which happened this past week. Yes. But what also was at the game developer conference was the game developers choice awards. Yes. So uh, these awards took place as part of GDC 2023. Yes. At San Francisco's Moscow Convention Center. Yes. And once again, it was a battle between Elden Ring yep. and God of War Ragnarok as they both took home the lion's share of prizes. At the 23rd um, annual award show. Uh, let's see here. Each of them scooped up three prizes at the peer based award show, mm-hmm. with Elden Ring being named Game of the Year, yep. but also won Best Design and Best Visual Arts categories. God of War Ragnarok won the Audience Award, <laughs> which was voted for by the players, uh-huh. as well as Best Audio and Best Technology Prize. Okay. Other winners of the night included Stray for Best Debut, All right. Immortality Hell yeah. for in- its Innovation Award, mm-hmm. Pentiment uh, for Best Narrative, and Citizen Sleeper for Social Impact. Cool. John Romero, who helped pioneer the FPS genre as a designer on Doom, Quake, and Wolfenstein 3D, mm-hmm. received the Lifetime Achievement Award. Yes. And the Pioneer Award was posthumously given to Mabel Addis, who was widely credited as the first female game designer for her work on 1964's The Sumerian Game, an IBM 7090 resource management title for school students. So cool to see some shout-outs to some um, OGs there. Like, man, 1964, that goes to before a lot of people's, you know, beliefs of what what the first video games were. Right. So this is around really pioneering work um, there, which is really cool. So, uh, yeah, uh, overall strong night. I mean, Elden Ring, of course, predictable as Game of the Year winner here. Yes. Uh, But, yeah, good to see... Sad uh, to see it win yet again. But it's good to see Stray, Immortality, and Pentiment getting shout-outs, and Citizen Sleeper, like Mm -hmm. some smaller games that really made an impact last year. Um, So, yeah, um, good, solid night overall. And those are cool because, as it says, they're peer-based, which means that developers are voting. Mm -hmm. And so it was really cool to see, like, basically the the industry give themselves pats on the back for once. (laughs) It's nice. Nice to see. Yeah, rarely does the industry pat itself on the back. <laughs> so yeah. Right. Anyway. Anyways, uh, GDC continued throughout the past this past week. Yeah, there were a handful of other things happening, but those were the kind of the biggest things. Yeah, nothing else like huge earth-shattering video right. game news. No, the days where GDC was used as a place to announce your game are far gone. Yep. Um, those are especially with PAX uh, happening very soon, and then. E3 being back, quote unquote, in a couple months. Yeah. You're gonna have to wait till summer to really see some oh, uh, announcement announcements. Yeah. So let's get to a new game. Yeah, you played a game this week. I streamed a game. All right, tell me about Ch 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 Chia. Uh, yes, Chia is a open world kind of game. Yeah. Uh, where you're a little twelve year old girl running around, climbing on everything. Scooping up little trinkets and everywhere. <laughs> it is a very um, Breath of the Wild Zelda-esque narrative mm-hmm. where you're kind of like on your own. Like it gives you a kind of a quest narrative, but you're, the mechanics of it of like diving, running around, jumping up, climbing stuff you're, is based off your stamina level. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it is also takes from Mario Odyssey where you can inhabit yes. a lot of the animals around it. 
Uh, and objects, and too. objects, yes. Uh, but the same way Mario Odyssey has Mario throw the hat on everything around him in order to inhabit it. Right. Uh, so it's very much a combination of both of those games uh, with a very kind of minimalistic art style. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also island-based. It's also kind of based off of an island's tribe uh, off the coast of Australia, between like Australia and New Zealand. So based on like real world um, places, mm-hmm. but in this sort of like fantastical, you can kind of teleport into other objects, into uh, other animals, and kind of help solve tasks and puzzles. Yeah. So it seems like yeah, it seems like the possessions are either for transportation purposes or for puzzle solving. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but that's about where the kind of the fun nostalgia <laughs> kind of ends about it. Yeah, it seems it's, very simple. It's might be a bit too simple, but mm-hmm. that being said, even though it's simple, there's a lot to collect in this thing. Yeah, it seems like a, uh, there's a lot to collect. There's a lot of places on the map to check mark, mm-hmm. like go to all these camps, go to all these zones, go interact with these people. Uh, they'll ask you to get some stuff for you. You have to come bring it back, kind of thing. I will say that the main story quest that you're supposed to do is not that. Of an attention, not much of an attention grabber. The stakes are not high. Okay, the stakes are high because you're a twelve-year-old <laughs> girl and your dad's been kidnapped, and you have to go yeah. rescue your dad. But uh, I don't know. For me, I don't really um, care about my dad right now. <laughs> in the process of the game, uh-huh, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, right. Mm. In the process of the game, I don't really care about <laughs> rescuing my dad. <laughs> Because I'm just going around trying to collect everything on the island before I move on to the next thing. <laughs> Sorry. Hello? Yes? Is it Dr. Freud calling? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Because it doesn't give you a time limit. It's like it's basically like they set it up like, oh no, you need to do this. And then the game's like, I don't know. Cruise. Like, so it's like, hey, if you go collect these three things on this island, right. come back to me and we'll go on to the next yeah. thing. No rush. I'm like, but yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> I'll go collect them after I collect everything else and kind of farm everything off this island so I don't have to come back here. Right, there's nothing pressing really about right. it. Right. I mean, which it seems to be the vibe of this game. It seems very free, free form, where it's like you can do any of this in any order at your own will, just like whatever you want to well, do. Well, that's what Breath of the Wild did too. Well, I feel like did Breath well, of the Wild, this... there's a little bit more stakes because yes. there's enemies constantly attacking you while you're trying to do this shit. Oh, yeah. There's there are more, no enemies here. There's more difficult. Um, puzzles, and also I feel like the stakes are a little high. Well, yeah, it's all world-shattering there. Right, yeah. So, But yeah, you're, but you're right about them being like structures similarly, where it's just like, okay, here's this open world, and you can do anything anytime. Yeah. Um, there are enemies within the game, but, but they they're set really... up like bandit camps, yeah. and they don't really do anything. They don't chase stand you there. out. They, yeah, they just stand there, and you beat them by zapping yourself at into a lantern and setting the, these paper enemies on fire. Yeah, it's cute. It's cute. But that is the most combat that's in this game. Yeah. yeah. It seems cute. It seems relaxing. I, I mentioned in pre-pod that it looks like a good podcast game because you're just going from point A to point B, just mm-hmm. grabbing stuff. So there, and also, we should note um, the, the cultural aspect of this. This is uh, from this is basically based on the cu- culture of New Caledonia. Yes. Um, an island, uh, An island nation. And yeah, all the uh, voice acting is done from people from that area mm-hmm. in the, both their um, both French and their regional um, regional dialect. dialect. 
And so, yeah, it's definitely, and it seems to be very steeped in that culture. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like this kind of culture introducing itself to, to people, which is very cool. And there's not a whole lot of games that do this. Uh, so that means, yes, you'll be reading a lot of subtitles. Um, Unless you speak the language. Which, yeah, <coughs> who knows. Uh, but yeah, it seems like it's a neat game that seems to be coming from a very specific place uh, and inspired by some very cool games. And it seems like a synthesis of a couple of very th like specific things. And it's neat, but like you're saying, don't go in expecting a huge epic. It's a game that does a handful of things, and that's pretty much all it does. Even a lot of stuff that you collect are trinkets and stuff to um, fill out your own um, kind of like catalog backpack. And clothes, clothes you wear, body, and accessories. accessories. Yeah. yeah. So it's nothing, it's not like you're like uh, Metroidvania-ing, like finding new cool st skills to do. It's not that kind of game. No, it's not like collect all these items and we'll give you a power up or no, power boost. No, it's not that. No. It's very simple. Yeah. But uh, it looks cool. And it seems like it plays well. It looks uh, fun. It travels well. I do like the kind of climbing mechanic that they do have. Yeah. Even though you do climb up just pretty much about everything oh, with yeah. ease and the same kind of animation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like it's a small team, uh, relatively speaking. Mm -hmm. So it's just not ever going to be something as big as a Breath of the Wild or an Assassin's Creed. Yeah. But for a small version of that kind of concept, it's cool that they made it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's Chia. It's uh, available to from PlayStation only um, and uh, PC and PC. And yeah. PC. It's, but if you have PlayStation, it's on the PlayStation Extra tier. Yes, uh, free for download. So if you're yeah. already paying for that, you can just grab Otherwise, it. Otherwise, I think it's thirty dollars. It sounds right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Chia, 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 chia. Um, in the meantime, I was supposed supposed to play some Resident Evil Four. I didn't get a copy yet, uh, so that's going to be booted till next week. I promise. I will talk about it then. Very excited to jump into that. Also, you mentioned the show, 23, out this week. That'll hit Game Pass uh, day one, so I'll be able to try that out before we record as well. That'll hit Game Pass on Tuesday, right? I believe so, yes. Um, yeah. I think if you pre-order, you have access on Monday. Okay. But for me, I'll have to wait. So, yeah. Yeah, mine comes... Um, I might not be able to get mine on by right. because it comes on Friday. So, yeah, it'll be a little bit. But I'll be able to talk about it, uh, what I played a bit. So, no someone awesome, but uh, but all-star closing pitcher Matthew Johnson will be back in those bullshit, <laughs> so just wait. Anyway, yep. hopefully bringing uh, the, the Angels to the playoffs and lasting more than one game, like I did last time. Speaking of We got Angels. eliminated. Who did we get eliminated by? It was probably the Astros. Probably the Astros. <laughs> anyway. Right. Speaking of the yes. Angels. Yes, we go now into television, and we always start television with... The Sports Corner. There's looking less sports every time I point at it. But anyway, um, this week in the Sports Corner, baseball was on everybody's mind because the World Baseball Classic wrapped up with an epic face-off between the United States and Japan. So yes, everybody was wondering, will we get Shohei Otani pitching to Mike Trout in a battle of the MVPs? And sure enough, yeah. the literal end of the game culminated into that exact scenario. Everybody on Twitter was making the same joke, which was like, wow, the script was written so well. Because <laughs> it did feel like they wrote it this way. Yeah. It was a one-run game. It was literally down to the last at-bat. And it just happened to be Shohei Otani against Mike Trout. 
It was a moment of silence. Everybody was wrapped by watching what would happen. It was ridiculous, too, because Otani, even though he had difficulties with his fastball for the first two, uh, for the first two batters, had no problem with it for Mike Trout, sending 200 mile per hour heaters right down the center of the plate. Literal bait for Mike Trout. And he swings and misses on both of them. It's liter- It's a literal, I'm going to give you my best. Right. I Come wa- at me, bro. Come at me, bro. I want you to hit Sho- this. Yeah, Shohei literally come at me, bro, to Trout. And we all saw it happen. And Trout literally swung and missed on both of them because I don't think he was expecting it either. <laughs> I think that he literally was like, nah, Shohei's not going to give me, like, something right down. He's not going to give me bait. He probably was was set up for, for off speed. He probably mm-hmm. was thinking, like, no, he's going to slider. He's no way he's going to give me his meat, you know? And he mm-hmm. gave him ham hocks right down the middle. Yeah. And he did, fell for it. And then, of course, once he finally gets that, that, that off-speed pitch, Trout's not ready for that either. And he strikes out. It's the mental chess battle between oh my God. pitcher and batter. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in a baseball game. Yeah, imagine if both those players are on the same team. But they are. Oh, no. So, yeah, anyways. So, anyways, I wonder if this means that Otani will now become a closer instead of an opener. You know what? <laughs> I could see him excel there, but there's no way he does it. Because Otani's the kind of person who is all about endurance. Mm-hmm. He wants to play as long as possible. I think he would be pissed if they changed his role and he wasn't able to play most of a game. Mm-hmm. I think that he gets that. He likes that energy of being there as long as he is and building that momentum. Mm-hmm. Because if he's proved anything over the last season... He's a momentum guy. He starts out a little shaky, and then he gets better and better and better and better until they have to take him out because <laughs> he, he's so valuable that they don't want him to hurt himself. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's a great ending to uh, yeah. classic. And uh, congratulations we'll this... to Japan because, yeah. yeah, we failed to mention, they win uh, because of this, 3-2. to two, And, um, yeah, and cap we'll off a wonderful series. we'll see in three years. I guess it's an every three-year thing. Three years? Okay. Yeah, so 2026 is when they're going to play again. But yeah, just... Like, is that right? 17, I guess. Think... 20... No. Yeah, yeah. 17, yeah. and then 20, and then 2023. Yeah. So yeah, just an incredible, incredible bunch of baseball was played. It seems like most of the games at the at the classics, uh, Classic this year were great to watch. Mm-hmm. I heard especially people talk about how dra- dramatic that, um, that semifinal was. Uh, was. Between Japan and Mexico? Yeah, Japan and Mexico. Apparently that game was nuts. I didn't yes. get to watch it, unfortunately, but I wish I had. It sounded like that was amazing. Um, and yeah, it was co- cool also to see Team USA make it that far. A lot of people were wondering, wait, are egos going to clash with all these star players on mm-hmm. the same team? They ended up meshing fairly well. Um, and it definitely, I think, quelled those thoughts about, like, what if Otani or Trout were on a team full of players that are just as good as them? Turns out, they're really good yeah. in both cases when they're, you know, when they don't have to carry everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I know. Frustration. But um, it was nice. Uh, it was a good game, and it was a fun to, uh, fun to watch series. So, uh, yeah, good times at the World Baseball Classic. Yep. I've seen uh, several people coming out from different sports saying, like, why didn't we have this? Right. Like, this is what our sport's missing. And I've I, seen that yeah. especially from, like, hockey mm-hmm. and football. Hell, even MLB people were on Twitter saying, like, this is a big argument for a single elimination tournament. Yeah. Like, why not try it someday? Like, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a replacement for the play- playoff schedule, but, like, as an alternative. There's a reason why those wild card games have been so exciting mm-hmm. the last couple of years that they've done them, because that single elimination is on your edge of your seat baseball. 
-hmm. And that's what was one of the things that was so exciting about the classic. It was like, no, this is make it or break it. It's just that baseball is such a weird, wonky game that you could easily argue, like, no, you don't want to do that because of how strange things can get. But then again, the existence of the NFL kind of proves that that, 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 that people love that. Fans love that because you never know what's going to, you're going to get. Half of football is just coin flips, as uh, I heard on a podcast recently. <laughs> it's just like it doesn't matter because they're never, it's not a series of games, it's just one offs. Well, uh, even in like, MLB, like 60 of the games, you're probably going to win. Mm-hmm. 60 of the games, you're probably, probably going to lose. lose. It's the other 60 where you determine <laughs> if you're going to go to the playoffs or not. Yeah. So, yeah, it depends on what you want from that. But I think the excitement of a single elimination, it was definitely tantalizing. Yep. And it makes me wonder if they'd ever try it. I don't think they would because baseball is built on series. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason not, why they do it. Though. There's a reason that they don't um, throw everyone at each other at, yeah. all at once. Everyone everywhere all at once. Everyone throwing at each other all at once. <laughs> but anyways, enough about baseball. Though we will talk about it more next week as... Opening day is this coming Thursday. Yep. So get excited for your first games of the new season. Um, so with that, spring training ends this weekend. Um, and we'll have a couple exhibition games yeah. for your team in their stadium. Yes, we will have but our freeway uh, series here. Yes, but the official opening day mm-hmm. is on Thursday. Thursday. I am ready. I am absolutely ready. All right. But other sports are still happening. Meanwhile, in hockey, the NHL playoffs are on the precipice of starting, and the Ducks and Blackhawks have been eliminated. They will not be showing up. Ha <laughs> ha, sucks for you. Yeah, I know. You wrote uh, about, your du- about the Ducks. This yes. is your opportunity. And the Blackhawks. <laughs> yeah, so there yeah. you go. <laughs> That's why you're here in the news, so I can gloat about you. Wow. Well. Anyways, We'll yeah. see how long your Kings last. <laughs> They're still Don't in get too place. excited. The freaking Golden Knights. Oh, um, <laughs> side note into here. Um, speaking of Golden Knights, uh, Jonathan Quick this past week became the second, or sorry, not the second player, the number two in games won all time for a U.S. born goalie. Wow. That's a very specific but cool um, record to set. Yeah, he's still got about 30 games left to become number one. <laughs> okay. not, can't do it this season. No. <laughs> so if he plays another season, he might right. get the record. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Next up in. Football, alternate football, I guess I'll say. The XFL has continued, and the DC Defenders are now the last unbeaten team in the XFL. So just like the NFL, you're on um, perfect season watch. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, because in, in coming into this week, um, they were supposed to face off against uh, the Houston Roughnecks, who are also supposed to be uh-huh. undefeated by the time they met. Uh-huh. But that didn't happen. They lost last weekend. So now DC defenders are the last unbeaten team. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, moving on to more Mad March situations. Yes. College basketball continues. The Elite Eight is this weekend. All your number one seeds, though, have all been eliminated. This is the first time in the tournament's <laughs> history that all That's number all one seeds happens. have been eliminated yeah. prior to the Sweet 16. That's pretty wild. Or eliminated in the Sweet 16. This is... Eight here. <laughs> uh, two, four, six, eight. Yes. So in the Sweet 16, all number one seeds officially eliminated. All right. So who do you got for your final four picks here? Um, I think I'm 
I mean, originally it was going to be UCLA, but they lost, so okay. they blew it. So probably, uh, where is, so we have Texas, sorry, we have Miami playing the winner of Xavier or Texas. Okay. San Diego State. Wow, San Diego State. Playing the winner <laughs> of, oh wait, no, sorry. That happened last night. Let me refresh this. I'm <laughs> pretty sure Pris has lost. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, San Diego yeah. State will play Creighton. Okay. Miami, Miami will Texas. play Texas. Uh, FAU will play Kansas State. And UConn will play Gonzaga. Gonzaga. <laughs> so right now, my favorite, the Gonzaga is now yeah. the favorite to win everything. Mm-hmm. Man, San Diego State, though. That's shocker. Well, they were they're number five seed, so yeah, not, not, not that much of a shocker. But still, I'm just like, I've been there. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yes, it's not that far from it's here. Not that far from here. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so uh, I guess they're the last local team, semi local, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens in that final four, and uh, as we approach this elite eight situation right now, we'll see. Yep. So yeah, uh, March is mad. So of those four <laughs> games that we just that I just listed, they will all be playing today as okay. of this podcast and tomorrow, this weekend. So for the final four and the championship game next weekend on April first, and then the championship game I think is the um, following Monday, November third. All right. Well, look forward to that. And then uh, yeah, that'll do it. Unless there's anything else in sports we need to talk about. No. All right. Well, that'll do it for sports. Oh, wait. Our first television story happens to be a sports story. Well, there's sports entertainment. We'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, Let's move into our first story, though, which is, yes, like I said, a sports story. And it's about baseball on television. But not what you think. It's not the one that we've been covering. And we're going to take a break from the uh, Diamond uh, bankruptcy shit for one week. And instead talk a little bit about Apple TV+. Plus. You may remember that last season, Apple TV+, Plus had Friday Night Baseball, uh, which was them uh, choosing games throughout the season to show on Apple TV plus the streaming service. Um, and in high bit rate of uh, 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 telecasts with so-so announcing, and um, yeah, it seemed like a pretty cool deal because, hey, you could even watch them if you weren't paying for an Apple TV Plus subscription. This well, is how a lot of people were able yes. to watch Albert Pujols right. continue to break his home run streak record uh, at the end of last year because yeah. it was spe- that happened specifically on Friday Night Baseball for Apple <laughs> TV Plus. It was a cool thing that they were offering for free. It was neat. Well, no longer. Friday Night Baseball will be returning. Apple announced on Wednesday that only those, though, who subscribe to its subscription can watch this season's games, which starts on April 7th. When Apple first announced Friday Night Baseball last year, the company let everyone watch the games for free and only required that they sign up for an account. However, Apple did hint that it wouldn't stream the games for free forever, as an archived version of Apple's Friday Night Baseball support page notes, quote, for a limited time, you can watch without a subscription. Well, that limited time was one, one year. year. That line is now absent from the support page that's currently live. Just like last year, Apple will show two live baseball games every Friday night, starting with this week, or uh, sorry, the week of April 7th, the Texas Rangers at the Chicago Cubs and the, Ch- and the San Diego Padres at the Atlanta Braves. The streams will last through June 30th and will be available in 60 countries and regions. The move to make users pay for Friday night baseball 
comes as the service looks to build up Apple TV Plus's offering of live sports. We've already talked about on this podcast their plan is to stream Major League Soccer for the next 10 years, mm -hmm. which just started last month. So yep. I'm not super surprised by this. I think the surprise was last year when everybody was like, wait, I don't need to pay for this. Um, and so, yeah, now it seems to have fallen in line with most people's expectations, which is, well, of course I have to pay for this because it's on their specific service. I had to download it anyways. Of course they're going to make me pony up. Um, so, yeah, I'm not surprised, but it does suck for people who will miss potentially maybe a, a couple of their games this season because they will, won't be on their local network. But if it's not on your local network, you can still get the local broadcast because you don't have to listen to uh, and, Apple TV's no. specific broadcast this year. You will have the option to listen to your regional broadcast. If available. If available. That's the thing, is because what I noticed with the Angels here is that Bally would skip the games yep. uh, that were on Able to Apple TV. They would not do a broadcast if they knew it was going to be um, on that well, Friday course, Night Well, of course, that would just save the money. <laughs> right, it did. <laughs> uh, but radio always is there, so if you know your local radio station, though, you can always play that instead, which is what I heard a lot of people did last season. Mm -hmm is that they would put on the Apple broadcast and listen to their local radio. I'm like, yeah, that's a solution. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, there's a, it's, it's a neat thing, though, that they do. Like I mentioned, the high bit rate is almost enough for me to recommend just checking it out if you can, because it's just such a pristine, clear picture that you're not going to get any other way. So it's neat. But yeah, just know that going in, that this season, if you want to watch those games, you're going to have to pay. Uh, pay six bucks a month? I think it's something month? like that. Also, if you have like a recent purchase of an Apple product, generally speaking, they give you trials, pretty lengthy trials of like Apple TV month, Plus. Isn't like a three month trial? Yeah, I think so. It used to be a whole year. Right. Uh, but nowadays, yeah, I think it's only that three months. So if you're looking to buy a new Apple item, hey. <laughs> now might be the time if you want to watch some <laughs> baseball. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, do note that the stream goes through June 30th. Yeah, not the whole season this year. Yeah, uh, that's because that is. Prior to the All-Star break. So, yeah, no games after the All-Star break Yes, for, on Apple. Interesting uh, choice. No games confirmed yet. Right, yeah, we'll see. Yes, they may uh, change that deal as we get closer. Definitely depending on some, you know, uh, some, some pending things. Some other shoes to drop. Right, some pending <laughs> things that are happening. So, we'll see. Yes. Speaking of pending things that have not happened for a very long time, hey, remember the NBC show Smash? The one with, like, uh... Catherine McPhee? Yeah, Catherine McPhee's own. Um, yes. So Smash, way back when on NBC, was a, um, was a musical, hit. yeah, a moderate hit, you could say. In the wake of Glee was NBC's attempt at a musical theater-themed uh, show. It was, uh, yeah, I guess a cult, a cult, uh, a cult show. I think the people who loved it really, really loved it, and everybody else was baffled by it. <laughs> Well, at long last, fiction is becoming reality. Smash, a stage musical adaptation of that NBC series itself, about a stage musical, is heading to Broadway. Theater veteran Susan Stroman, one of the producers, is directing the production with a score by original uh, writers Mark Shaman and Scott Wyndham. They've also written Some Like It Hot, the musical Hairspray, Mary Poppins Returns. Like the television series, the stage version will follow the process of mounting the musical Bombshell 
about the life of Marilyn Monroe, a fictional musical that exists in the universe of the show. The producers say the Broadway adaptation will, quote, depart liberally from the series. Steven Spielberg, Robert Greenblatt, and Neil Maron, who produced the original series, will all serve as lead producers on the musical. Smash ended back in 2012, and producer Neil Maron says there's not a week that goes by without someone asking when the show will be turned into a musical. Well, you can stop asking because next year... So yeah, so I wish I had a Broadway correspondent, Christy, here to give her take. She loves Smash. Mm-hmm. She had me watch the pilot, and I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I hated it. It was so bad. But uh, she loves it, um, and she's very excited for a stage adaptation. Um, yeah, she's a big fan. So yeah, I'll be really interested to get her take once this actually premieres, and I'm sure to much rejoice and or clamor from uh, Broadway Twitter. And she'll so, tell me all about it, I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure they will have to take some liberties of it <laughs> because you can't have the audience come back on a weekly night basis to watch <laughs> no, the one-hour production really of Smash. make the plot really concise and oh. short. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure they'll be able to do. I'm curious about how this will, how this will shake out. Well, let's see. If Fan of the Opera can do a musical about a musical... <laughs> Well, about a, a play, an yeah. opera, <laughs> about the production, yes. <laughs> then yeah. surely Smash yeah. can be a musical about its own stage production. Okay. We'll see. We'll see if it works out for them. All right, uh, let's move on. That's it for television news. Uh, we watched some things. Yes, uh, a couple things on Netflix and one thing on Apple. Speaking of. So where do we start? Uh, let's just do the Apple thing. A good um, uh, okay. segue here. So if you do have Apple TV+, Plus, well, before baseball, you can also watch some country music. Oh, yes. You forgot uh, something, I see. Yes, because it's also on Apple TV+. Uh, okay, we'll get there. Uh, uh, for, like, my, my final thoughts on it. Okay. But in the meantime, yes. So I watched um, the premiere of My Kind of Country, uh, which is the new Apple TV reality singing competition, specifically about country music. So we talked about this when we reported yes. on it uh as Two a months news, ago, in yeah. January? As a news story when they announced it was happening. So yeah. this is brought to us by producers Reese Witherspoon and Casey Musgraves. Yes. And it basically has a panel of three judges and recruiters, essentially, which are Jimmy Allen, Orville Peck, and Mickey Guyton. Yes. And they are all basically picking squads of going across the, uh, across the world, I think, even, uh, finding squads of aspiring country music artists and having them voice style compete as teams in a reality competition. So the first three episodes are up so far, and they're basically the showcases where each of the hosts basically have their first five, or their five, their team of five that they're presenting, mm-hmm. and they have like an introduction or, introductionary performance in which one is potentially eliminated. And then the following weeks, they will go into like workshops and other kind of like molding kind of things in order to then compete against each other. So the season's just started. Um, so all we have right now are just those first introductory episodes. Yeah, new episodes every Friday. Yeah, but those introductory episodes, you at least get to see the coaches, how they find find these talents. Yeah. How they interact with the talents yeah. and what kind of music like you're going to be expected to listen to. And you know what? So far, I'm really, really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've only watched one of the episodes right now, uh, but the production value is really great. Like, forget everything that you know about reality shows. Apple TV's a- approach is very intimate 
very well shot. Like all the shots are like right near the people. There's no wides. Like this is not a multicam situation. This is very much shot documentary style, mm -hmm. uh, which adds an intimacy to the performances. There's a the packages are really well produced, so you get to know like a lot about these people and their upbringing and their choice. Also, oh, the choice of songs and like the, their interest in the genre and how they started because these are people from across the world. There's somebody from um, South Africa here. There's somebody from Mexico. There's somebody of Indian descent. There's like a real variety of perspectives and uh, people that are involved in this production so far. Um, and yeah, one of the, the most striking thing for me, though, is that this is finally a reality singing competition that really cares about their music. There is so much talk and discussion about the craft here. It is not just going for the, there's a little bit of the, uh, oh, that's so sad kind of stuff that American Idol will give you, mm -hmm. but not as much as you'd expect. A lot more time is given to why this song? Let's work with the band. Let's um, like let's have the band give the artist advice about how to pep up the song. Like what do they what do they think that will in, improve their performance going into the performance part? If you are big about music and if you know about a lot about music and have performed yourself, there's a lot of a lot of meat to chew into here. There's a lot of real cool discussion about the actual craft of music hmm. and performance. Like, oh, let's try a mod, like on the modulation, maybe try slowing it down. Or, hey, let's bring this up a key so your voice like really thrives in it. There's a lot of talk about that. Kind of like when American Idol used to do the mentor weeks. It's like that, but even more like intimate. It's really cool. And again, because it's on the Apple TV Plus, you get that real crisp high bit rate stream. It looks amazing in 4K on my television. It's, it's really, really cool so far. So yeah. Very excited to watch more of this, uh, My Kind of Country. Uh, I'm curious about what the other... Uh, oh, yeah, and everybody's just a total sweetheart. Everybody who's competing <laughs> on this show just seems like the most genuine, nice people who just genuinely just love the music. There is not a heel yet. I'm waiting for them to uh, one of the competitors to be an asshole, but it hasn't happened yet. Oh, so We'll, we'll talk see. about heels when we talk about Love is Blind. Yes, I'm sure <laughs> we will. But, yeah, I'm really excited to see more of it. It seems like a genuinely well-produced reality show. All right, so while you're waiting for your weekly doses of My Kind of Country <laughs> yeah. and while you're waiting for your weekly doses of Ted Lasso, which, yes. episode two, more of meat of what the season's going to be about. Yeah. <laughs> I like this episode more, partially <laughs> because it was actually an hour long instead of a half hour. Right, right, really. And it gives you actual soccer for the first time in a while. Yeah, so actual soccer and I was actual like, All right, This is where we're going. So, yeah. yeah, interesting episode. But when you're waiting for that. Yes. You can watch all 10 episodes and binge the entirety of Shrinking. Yes, also on Apple TV+. Plus. Yes, this is, uh, I talked about this earlier. This is the Jason Siegel yes. um, show with Harrison Ford about a therapist. A therapist who has problems of his own, but also trying to solve other people's problems. Mm. Uh, and him trying to shortcut it. But as the show goes, there is no shortcutting to your own solutions. You gotta <laughs> pick up the shovels. You gotta move forward in your own time. You have to do the work yourself. Yes. Uh, much like with Ted Lasso, I didn't think the show actually got going till about three or four episodes in when, funny enough, there was a party okay. and they forced all the characters to interact with each <laughs> other at said party. That's always smart to do. 
They did that in Ted Lasso after season. Yes. After like the third episode uh, with the Christmas or the, the yeah. auction episode. Force it to be an ensemble show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So same thing here. After they did it during, um, it was like an engagement episode where they had everybody around to interact with each other. That's when the show took off for me. That's when it was um, more of like, ooh, now I am interested in seeing what happens to all these characters now. Because mm-hmm. uh, I did talk about this at the very tail end of January when there was just the first two episodes out. And I was like, I don't know. I like where they're going, but I'm not like invested enough to watch every week. <laughs> now, I think going into season two, it's becoming a weekly thing. Once season two comes back around, because it mm-hmm. was announced for season two, that it will become a weekly thing for uh, us to watch. Yeah. It's a grower. It's definitely a grower. Um, it didn't hit me as hard as other Apple TV shows like The After Party, mm-hmm. which, by the way, got delayed into a July release now. No! Oh, well, it's fine. Where I wanted to watch every week and see what... It'll like, be a fun summer show, some, I think yeah. it'll work. Uh, so, Shrinking, yeah. All 10 episodes are up. You can watch the whole journey. It is... Um, it can be hard-hitting at times. Okay. Uh, Especially since the whole journey is about one year post the loss of his wife. Okay. Uh, and how do you move from that? Yeah. How do you move forward from that? Right. Not just in your own life with your own daughter, but also like in your career with like your patients and stuff. And, okay. your, and your friends and your family. Okay. All right. All right. I liked it. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be talking about it on my list by the end of the year, though. I think there's other stuff. That we've mm-hmm. talked about that's stronger. Sure. But I do like what they did by the time they got to the end. Is the journey itself like worth it by the time you get to the end? Uh, mileage may vary, I could <laughs> say. Because yeah. you may be like, oh, like, oh, like, I, yeah, I can see how this happens and be like, no, they kind of like wrapped it up because TV purposes. Yeah. I wouldn't be too satisfied with how they ended. Mm-hmm. But hey, at least we get a season two. Yep, yep, yep. All right. All right. Uh, anything else on Apple TV? I mean, um, I, I guess I, I'll mention real briefly. It's not something that's super in our demographic, but um, Christy was interested because it's based on one of the uh, children's book series that she really likes. Mm-hmm. They have um, a kid show called Shape Island. Okay. It's adorable. Uh, it's based on these three books that were about different shapes. Uh, one's square, one's circle, and one's triangle. And it's about their little misadventures they have uh, on their little island. It's cute. It's good for kids, and we're having a good time. As I like, a, it's our. It was our palate cleanser after episodes of Perfect Match. <laughs> while that was running, it was like, oh, we need to watch something that's not that. That's like the polar opposite. And some uh, people who work on some of our favorite shows are uh, pr- in producing roles on that, uh, including Toby Jones, who used to work on OKKO and uh, a regular show. Okay. So yeah, it's got some really good um, uh, staff behind it. It's a well done uh, stop motion animated. Oh. Um, show it's cute and it's on apple tv plus so if you have kids that like those books um it's it's a great kid show okay but yeah other than that nothing really to mention on there so we move to netflix where you have watched a couple of shows yes finished one right? uh love is blind or no, no, that, just that, that just started this oh week. jesus okay yeah so if you want to hop on the train <laughs> no 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 we that are, is christine love is I, blind season four christine and i already committed that we're not watching love is blind because after a perfect match, we're like, that show sounds like bullshit. <laughs> Love is Blind, season four, premiered last night, and we mm-hmm. already went through uh, the first three episodes. Jeez. 
to uh, get to all the proposals. Couldn't be me. So we stopped right before they went off to Mexico. We'll finish that off. And then new episodes every Friday. All right. Uh, but Love is Blind is back. And oh, the relationship bullshit that happens in this show. Yes. The manipulations. The uh, what we, the internet has already dubbed evil stepsisters <laughs> of the show. Oh, no. uh, with uh, Micah. At the center of it all. Oh, no. Micah, by the way. The girl. Okay, sure. Uh, who is causing all of this drama and being very manipulative. And, oh, it's like one of those train wrecks that <laughs> you really shouldn't be watching. And yet, here we are yelling at our TV, uh-huh. what are you doing? <laughs> See, we can only do one of those and we're already almost done with The Bachelor. So, there's oh, only so yeah. much we can handle. Uh, you already doing enough Bachelor? <laughs> the finale is next week. Okay. Or this, the Monday. Yeah. All so, right. anyway. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Love is Blind uh, is back. Uh, we got a whole new crop of contestants looking to find love, proposing without seeing anybody. Right. Uh, talking behind a wall. That's the gimmick. The, yeah. That's the gimmick. And the internal <laughs> tur- turmoil of, well, I like this person, but I also like this person. And,. Oh boy, woe is me to choose between two <laughs> girls that yeah. I don't know who I should propose so to. So sad, I know. Such a Sophie's choice here. <laughs> because if I don't propose to one, I know I'm going to at least see the other person when we go to uh, <laughs> our, our honeymoon Mexico vacation. Awkward. And then I'll get to see it and be like, did I choose right? Awkward. And the answer is always no. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a grass is always greener thing, right? Oh, yeah. It's like they is. always have. Second thoughts. Yes. So stupid. I think you can see the inner bickerings amongst mm-hmm. amongst these uh, hopeless romantics. More hopeless than romantic. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> emphasis on the first part. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Love is Blind. If you know, if you've already been through this, you know what to expect. If you've been through three seasons yeah, of it. You know what you're getting You into. know why they're going for a fourth season. Fair <laughs> enough. All right, but that wasn't the only thing I watched on Netflix. Yeah, what is Dance 100? So, remember how I talked about physical, physical 100? Is this related? No, surprisingly. So, yeah, so we were looking through Netflix, and we saw these next to each other on the queue. And Christy Leonard was like, wait a minute. And I'm like, no, they that's just got to be a coincidence, right? And she's like, well, maybe not. And I'm like, no, this looks clearly, this is American produced. Yes. This must have nothing to do with it. They are not okay. produced, yes. It's weird, just that the, they're both Netflix originals physical next 100. to each other. Well, it says Netflix original because yeah. it's uh, produced, premiering here. Premiering Netflix, here, yeah. Because yeah. you can only watch it in the U.S. on Netflix. That's why right. Netflix original. Right. But so, anyway, yeah. physical one hundred. So while physical one hundred was a competition mm-hmm. to um, prove who is the strongest out of one hundred people, right? Dance one hundred <laughs> is a dance competition out of eight people. They put a hundred uh, hundred dancers and they go, they go to an island and they have to kill each other. No, no, no. It's not, it's not physical combat. They're not uh, fight dancing. No. They are, there are eight dance choreographers who have to choreograph ever-increasing groups of people. Oh, okay. So they start with eight choreographers. <laughs> it's a reverse battle royale. And each and of those eight choreographers, the first, they each start with seven people. Okay. At the end of the episode, after they've all choreographed, and then they get the dancers. Uh-huh. The 100 dancers get to choose 
which choreographer they want to work with. All one ended. Yes. So there's so for example, the first episode there's fifty six people that are dancing, seven for each of the eight. Uh The remaining forty four are up on the balcony watching all these performances, Uh and then they choose who they join. They choose who they want to join. Okay. And if you don't have enough dancers, or if you're the lowest amount of dancers, you get eliminated. <laughs> That's funny. It kind of is. <laughs> so, if you like those dance competitions, uh-huh. I'm just waiting for it to like increasingly grow <laughs> to where, like, oh, like this clearly, this choreographer who's never worked on like a professional production before now has to chore- like choreograph 20 people. Yeah. Like 28 people. <laughs> And more and more and more. more and more. more, and more. Like, dancers. What am I doing? I'm so stressed out. It's <laughs> a lot dance. of that. Do you ever feel like they're going to get to the point where there's too many dancers? That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. By the time they get to the end, it's going to be a 50 on 50, <laughs> two people dance, big dance. I would argue that that is too many dancers. I would argue not because Jason Mendoza had a 64 man dance group, <laughs> Dance Dance Revolution. Oh my God. What a wonderful. Um, yeah, that, this is a weird concept. It is. Dance 100. But I think it's a fun concept because yeah. um, it's, one, it shows off different choreographers from different backgrounds. Right. Two, do those choreographers put themselves in the middle? Yeah. Or do they actually put the best dancer in the center of what the story they want to tell? Wow. And there's also different kind of gimmicks in it. Like, uh, <laughs> tell, like, your own personal story through dance. Uh, use this specific type of genre you must use props in your <laughs> dance sure so wow. there's different like uh stipulations per routine that they have to kind of meet but it's the dancers who decide who is the best choreographer or the choreographer they want to work with mm-hmm. rather than a panel of judges right no it's cute i think that's a neat little twist on that formula yeah all right cool so that's dance 100 on netflix yep. uh all episodes are, i think are available on netflix to watch there's only eight episodes, so it's really kind of an uh, hour each, so it's really kind of binge-worthy mm-hmm. if you want to do that over a weekend or over two days. All right, cool. Well, any other TV that we need to talk about before we move on? Uh, we are coming into the end of March and into April, which mm-hmm. means TV yes. is back for everything. It'll slowly start springing up. Yep. Uh, uh, 911 had its premiere their spring premiere a couple of weeks ago mm. is continuing. Other shows will continue to have their, I think, our shows in its current um, yeah. spring season. And going into the season finales before the summer. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That will be in May. So yep. right now, between um, between now and all through April, is going to get to like your meat of your those seasons. Right. So look forward to that. In the meantime, though, let's go into cancellations and renewals. What am I no longer watching? Shows that will or will not be joining us for this uh, second half here. First up, Accused will get a second season on Fox. Alert! Missing Persons Unit will get a second season on Fox as well. The L Word, Generation Q, canceled after three seasons on Showtime. But they did say they wanted to shop it around. So we'll see. Don't know who's going to pick it up, though. We will see. You! Its fifth season will be its last on Netflix. Yep, so you'll get to see the finale for that on Ooh. Netflix. The final straw. Well, ABC thought so, because it's canceled after one season. I didn't know what this was. <laughs> no, I had no idea either. So, those are cancellations and renewals. Yep. Deaths, we have a couple of them this week. 
Michael Reeves, age 72, screenwriter, worked on shows such as Gargoyles, Batman the Animated Series, and Spider-Man Unlimited. So, a very 90s uh, yes. scriptwriter. Yes, very uh, uh, an action cartoons of its time. Yes. Uh, yeah, 72. Man, that's a rough one. The next up, Leroy Raffle, age 96. Not necessarily related to this uh, media po- podcast, but uh, in our hearts and our arteries. Co-founder of Arby's. Hey, in our stomachs. <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, but yeah, so thank you for the beef and cheddars over the years. Oh, and the, the Wagyu uh, burgers. Oh, well, yeah. Did you not have those Wagyu burgers? I have not had one. Uh, you, uh, you, I, I, I've cheddar. mentioned on this podcast I don't eat beef right now. So yes. burgers, they got to be impossible or they got to be beyond. For it's me. okay. Uh, Arby's also does the fish market stuff, too. That's true. That's, I could have that. Oh, chicken sandwiches? Hey, give me a chicken sandwich. Uh, seasoned curly fries from Arby's are the best. Oh, that sounds good. Yes, they are. All right, let's move on into the last <laughs> section of the show before I get hungry. Uh, movies, and we always start movies with the weekend box office numbers. Your number one movie, Shazam! Fury of the Gods premieres to $30 million. Number two, following that, Scream 6 with $17 million, adding to its $75 million domestic total. Number three, Creed 3, with another $15 million. That's at $127. Number four is 65 with another $5.8 million. That's at 22 And rounding out your top five, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, with another $4.2 million. That just crept over the $200 million line with $205 million. And look at that. Almost all the top five are sequels. Hey. Yeah, our sequels. Well, it's just going to get worse as we tumble towards summer, so just wait for that. Upcoming this week, though, we got uh, a couple of uh, films, two very different films juxtaposed against each other here. Mm -hmm. A Good Person. This is stars Morgan Freeman. I want to say this is Apple produced. That sounds right. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of like a melodrama movie. And then... Dungeons and Dragons, colon, Honor Among Thieves, which is your big action movie this week. I don't know about this one. Um, so I'm there's a sneak preview tomorrow that I might okay. jump in and try and see. All right. I'm very weary about this thing. Yeah, the last time they tried a Dungeons and Dragons movie, it sucked. So we'll see. That's a big we'll see, I think. It is. But then, of course, that means we're just another week away from the one everybody's waiting for. Paint. No, oh. Super Mario Brothers. So watch this space. We will in a couple of weeks be able to talk about that. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm trying to think if we're going to do a Thursday show for oh. that or Friday. If you if you do, I might be on board. Okay, uh, we'll we'll talk about we it. We should do that. Well, we, have, we, we still have that. a whole week because that through. might be the first movie in a long, long time that I'm actually like I kind of want to see that when it comes out. Right. So we'll see. We'll we'll discuss. But before uh, we do that, though, there's some uh, movie confirmations that we have to talk about. Uh, also, for our, our millennial, aging millennial hearts. Yes. Oh, that's what we did talk about in TV, aging millennial hearts. Oh. Uh, for those of you who are keeping track, <laughs> uh-huh. um, Pokemon series wrapped up yeah. in Japan. Well, let's see. That's the thing. is Until it wraps up here, we'll sh- shelve that conversation. Yes. But they did also, I'm glad you mentioned it, because they did also... Uh, uh, confirmed that this this week the U.S. title of the new series will be officially Pokemon Horizons, right? Which follows in line with the Journeys branding of the last couple of seasons for the main series. So this will be the new series with the new protagonist. Will be called Horizons. 
We still do not know how it will be distributed here. They have not confirmed whether this will still be on Netflix. It is interesting, though, all of the footage that they've used so far has been the Japanese dialogue with subtitles, meaning that maybe they're open to that kind of thing. Fingers crossed that we will get a subbed version of this A day this time. date release. Oh, I can dream. But no, probably not. Yes. Because if they haven't said it yet, probably not. Anyway. Anyways. Before that happens, though. Also, something also happened in the 90s. <laughs> God damn it. Yes. Uh, yes, if you are a millennial like us, you might remember um, the Nickelodeon movie Good Burger. Well, get ready. Everything is old is new again. Good Burger 2 has officially been greenlit at Paramount Plus with original stars Kenan Thompson and even Kel Mitchell set to return. The sequel to the beloved Nickelodeon film will begin production in May with plans to debut on Paramount Plus later in 2023. Oh no, and the screams over everyone. Yep. Who doesn't have Paramount Plus <laughs> echoed throughout the universe? Per the official logline of the film, quote, Dexter Reed, played by Keenan Thompson, is down on his luck after another one of his inventions fails. Ed, played by Mitchell, welcomes Dex back to Good Burger with open arms and gives him his old job back. With a new crew working at Good Burger, Dex devises a plan to get back on his feet, but unfortunately puts the fate of Good Burger at risk once again. End quote. This marked the latest Nickelodeon property to get revived at Paramount+. Plus. The streamer also has the iCarly revival, which has been renewed for a third season recently, as well as the updated version of Rugrats, among many others. So, makes sense. Um, I guess the new, recently re-reunited uh, Keenan and Kel mm-hmm. means that this was probably something that they wanted to do. I would not be yeah. surprised if they were like, yeah, sure, let's talk to Paramount. And they made it happen. Uh, Keenan, you know, I'm sure he's a very powerful man right now, and he can just make these things happen now. If Keenan Thompson wants to do something, his years of SNL all point to, oh, just let him do it. Like, he's earned it. So there has been uh, Good Burger, Keenan Kel sketches uh, on, was it, Jimmy Fallon? They've done it on Jimmy the Fallon, they did it on SNL. They did it on SNL. So it's just, it was bound to happen at yes. some point. Um, also, come on, people. Logline should be one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> He was bugging me. Anyways, on you professionals, allegedly. So yeah, I don't know. I don't have any nostalgia for Good Burger. I did not see it in theaters, and I also did not watch a whole lot of all that or Keenan and Kel. Um, I'm a weird millennial because of that. Like I just we watched the cartoons in my house. We didn't watch the live action stuff. I did watch a lot of it growing up. Okay. I do have fond memories of it. I do find it interesting that they're putting them back at Good Burger at yeah. their current age. I wonder if it's something that they're going to comment on. Of like, well, I'm sure, because that's right. It's the fish out of water, right? Yeah. At this point, it does. It becomes not what it was original premise, which was oh, these teenagers are bad at their jobs. Yes. Now it's the adults are bad at their jobs, and the teenagers are there also, and so there's that that clash between them. It'll be interesting. It's an interesting take on that idea. I wonder if they're going to get into the living wage argument in here. <laughs> I wonder, yeah. Because that'd be a good angle to go to. It is, yeah. I also uh, imagine maybe as like a, a good twist on the formula, because of course all that shit was written by jaded Gen Xers. Mm-hmm. You could have the twist now be like, oh, these Zoomers know what they're doing. They're really good at their jobs. They're like making us look bad in mm-hmm. contrast. Like I could imagine that being a good like twist. Anyway. Yeah, there's lots of different ways you can go with yeah. this kind of script. It's interesting. But it's going to be on Paramount Plus. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you already know whether or not you're going to watch this or not. <laughs> Just so, based on that barrier based alone. On that. Anyway, 
right. Let's move on. Our second story also involves a couple of uh, people that we recognize from um, SNL, or at least one. Um, and A24, media boat favorite, is bringing us Y2K. What? What? I know, again, what? we live this. It's oh, happening again. Okay. Um, a dial-up disaster comedy. That's good. To be is that you or is that the that's the thing the thing okay <laughs> to be directed for uh, for the studio by Saturday Night Live alum Kyle Mooney yes recently let go Kyle yeah. Mooney I like his stuff um uh, that Saturday morning whatever the hell thing on Netflix was fun did you ever watch that Saturday morning I forget what it's called cartoon hits cartoon. or something like that okay it was it was fun it was a fun little thing um but anyway the cast has been announced it will include Jaden Martell from It. West Side Story breakout Rachel Ziegler and Julian Dennison from Deadpool 2. Um, also included here, Lachlan Watson from The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Mason Gooding from Scream 6, rapper The Kid Leroy. Yeah. None other than the internet's own Tim Heidecker, uh, Eduardo Franco from Stranger Things, Miles Robbins from Blockers, Alicia St- Silverstone, haven't read that name in a while, from The Killing of a Sacred Deer amongst, you know, Clueless and other things. Yes. <laughs> Fred Heckinger from Fierce the Fear Street trilogy. And Daniel Zalgadri from Funny Pages. In the film, written by Evan Winter, which is set on New Year's Eve 1999, two high school nobodies, played by Martel and Dennison, decide to crash the last big party before the new millennium. When the clock strikes midnight, the night gets more insane than they could ever have imagined. So... Um, yeah, Y2K, kind of off-the-rails yeah. comedy here. I am so party. Uh It was featuring a bunch of people who were yeah. like, oh, they're from that thing. They're from that thing. I recognize that This person. sounds great. I like Kyle Mooney's sensibilities, mm-hmm. so I think this could be really funny. It kind of reminds... This could be, like, a a better take on something, like, sort of like... Remember what This Is The End was trying to do? Yeah. This probably sounds like a better version of that Right, get everybody in a room. Yeah, but this is the end. Was yeah. I want to do this with my friends, celebrity so friends? Get, yeah, so we can all get paid. So this doesn't even have that baggage. This is just like let's get a bunch of character actors in a room together yes. and have them react to chaos. This sounds great. I'm, yeah. I'm on board. Let's do it. So, so uh, that will be shooting this year. Um, probably not coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Probably look for spring next year for that. The Kid Leroy. The Kid Leroy. That's funny. <laughs> just randomly in there. <laughs> I want the Kid Leroy and Tim Heidecker to have a scene together. Just, that's all I want. All right, let's move on. Um, you also have a real small bit here. What is this Marvel drama that you want to bring? So uh, I read. The, I was reading this this morning. Okay. It's been going on over the past week, and I'm just like, I don't really want to get into it. <laughs> uh, but I finally read the article, and it's like, okay, maybe we should talk about this. Sure. So Victoria Alonso is one of the big three executives over at Marvel. Okay. Uh, right up there with Kevin Feige and uh, Luis Desposito. Uh-huh. Like those, like they're considered like the big three yeah. to run, uh, to run the Marvel Studios. Uh, Victoria Alonso specifically runs the VFX uh, uh, outings. I see. Uh, for Marvel. Okay. So recently, she has been let go at Marvel hmm. from word from Disney. Who owns Marvel? It's because they lost the Oscar to Avatar? No. <laughs> because she... <laughs> but funny enough, you bring the Oscar okay, up. Okay, yeah. Because she was a producer on Argentina 1985. Interesting. Okay. But according to her contract for working at Marvel, she's not allowed to work uh, for 
a different studio. Okay. Because Argentina, uh, because Argentina 1985 was produced by Amazon and distributed by Amazon, uh-huh. they think that they feel that she's, she's out of line there, out of line, and been diverting her resources. Uh-huh. So they've let her go. Interesting. Okay. Um, also pointing out that when she did walk the red carpet, it wasn't for Black Panther, which was, was nominated for, for yeah, several Oscars. It was for Argentina in 1985. Right. She's also been out promoting Argentina 1985, uh, doing different um, junkets and panels for it okay. as a producer on the film. Uh, so... Interesting to note, and it's not interesting, but <laughs> it's specific to note yes. that she is from that era. She mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Um, she from Argentina. Argentina. Okay. From uh, she is a gay woman in mm-hmm. Marvel, uh, in Disney's hierarchy chain. Right. And this also kind of plays into what's going on with Florida, with mm-hmm. Disney. Okay. Um, also, the film Argentina, nineteen eighty five was about a mass exodus of um, homosexuality in Argentina during that year. So I guess the question then is, where is this coming from legitimately, from Disney's perspective? Was this just purely a business decision? Where they were like, oh, well, you... You broke contracts. Broke contracts, so we have to let let you go. go. Or is there people that are conspiracy-hatting here uh, and basically saying, oh, was this... They there were other like like personal reasons why they wanted to let her go, and this is basically the way they could. This do was it. A, hey, we can do this now right. because mm. broken contract. So there's a lot going mm. on there. Yeah, there's That's a lot, why there's a lot of there. drama in there. Yeah, none of it is settled. None of the dust is settled. Okay, uh, but it's something that is that did happen over the past week. I think it is a big story. Yeah, but could be. Could it's be. also something that doesn't really have a conclusion. It's almost right like now, we're waiting for that shoe to drop, where like. Legal stuff happens. Yes, because you know? I'm pretty sure legal stuff will happen. Like if she files for like wrongful termination or something, mm-hmm. I could see that happening. Yes, okay. but right now they uh, they outed her because she produced a film, right, and supported a film that was not under the Disney umbrella. Interesting. Well, I guess we'll keep but, an eye out. But just because they say that doesn't mean there's yeah. all this other stuff that's happening right. alongside of it. There's no way of knowing for sure. Yes, unless you're like a fly on the wall, man. Disney War Two, Disney Wars Two is gonna be so good. <laughs> it's just Bob versus Bob, and like, oh man, I can't wait. What's that guy doing? What's that guy? What is he writing? What has he been writing lately? He's got to get on this shit. I want to read that book already. There's so much juicy shit from the last two decades. Yeah. Anyways, well, well hopefully anyway, that'll come together. Uh, I'll keep an eye on this, but yeah. yeah, one of the big threes at Marvel Studios is out uh, as of this past week. Mm-hmm. Under what could be considered dubious circumstances. <laughs> yeah. But we won't know the full extent, probably until, like, she's most likely going to sue. I don't see why yeah. she wouldn't at this point. Oh, yeah. It makes sense, but we'll see. But we will see yes. on a different episode of Watch the Podcast. this space for that. But in the meantime, we are wrapped up today. That's it for movies. We do not have a fan question. No. So that means it is time to wrap up for this week. Thank you. For joining us for the Media Boat Podcast. We, of course, will be back next week for another live show. Watch us on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Media Boat Podcast, and there you can find our page, our channel, to be more specific. Uh, you can like, subscribe, and click the bell for notifications when we go live, typically on Saturday mornings like this. You can also listen to us in 
audio podcast form on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Media Boat Podcast and find us there. As we mentioned earlier in the show, something else you can get on that podcast feed is our ongoing March Madness 2023 bracket special, which is currently in progress. It's we coming are... up to its finale this upcoming Wednesday. Yes. will be the finale where we take our Sweet 16 songs yes. and crown one song as the Taylor Swift champion. Yes, so what we're doing is the Taylor Swift Eras Tournament, and we are taking every song off of each of her albums, rating them and determining 16 of them to go into a bracket to, yes, as you said, determine one song to rule them all. So yes, we are done with going through each of the albums. Those were played out in our first four parts that you can listen to now. Because you are in the future. Yes, the final bracket is created. It's just a matter of seeding it and choosing a winner um so wait that will be this tuesday on our podcast feed wednesday on our podcast feed we'll be recording it on tuesday and yes uh, that'll be up so you'll see what we think is the best taylor swift song ever in the meantime though you can also find us on social media on twitter we're at media boat cast facebook search media boat podcast to find us there mediaboatpodcast.com is our website where you can see write-ups for all of these things and more as well as recent thoughts that we've had about your thoughts about The Last of Us Season 1, um, as well as the wrap-up of Peacock's Poker Face, which you also wrote up for us. More stuff will be coming soon, so keep your eyes peeled. And then, last but definitely not least, every once in a while we play video games on Twitch, on twitch.tv slash mediaboat. Stay tuned this week, as I will likely be streaming some Resident Evil 4. Mike just streamed some Chia. I'll be streaming some more Chia on Monday. Yep. And I'll probably jump into some uh, baseball, some uh, stream, some MLB The Show 23 for you, maybe on Thursday this week. So Tuesday, hopefully, will be Resident Evil 4. Uh, when do you want to do Chia? Monday? Chia will do Monday. So Monday, look forward to Chia. And then, yeah, the show will be penciled in for Thursday. So stay tuned for all of that and more. I might swap that if Resident Evil comes late, Yes, which is possible. So, yeah, thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next week for more. Stay tuned for a big show. We'll be back. Yep. Next week. We'll be back with more news, more thoughts. The yeah. end of March next yes. week. Yes, wild. We'll be in April very oh, soon. Sorry. Yeah, we'll be in April next week. Yep. So we'll be, we'll oh, our April, April 1st, uh, April Fool's episode next week. So yes. Will everything we tell you be true? Yes. Oh, no, we're not going to do yes, like we're a... we're not going to uh, pull any pranks on you. <laughs> no. right. Or will we? You'll have to tune in next week. No, we won't. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>